Hey there, uh, my name's Jake, and I am the campus pastor of Restore Park Hill, and we are in week three of our series called Finding Financial Freedom. Uh, let me give you guys a little bit of a recap of what we've talked about over the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, we highlighted this idea that less is more. And often we get stuck, stuck in like this cultural moment that more is more. More stuff, more things, bigger house, more cars, whatever it is, we, we want more, but that our pursuit of more often limits our ability to experience freedom. So actually our pursuit of less leads us to more freedom. And then last week we talked about debt. This crippling, this, this handcuffed life that we live when we're held and burdened down by debt. And we talked about some of the tools that allow us to get out of debt. But ultimately the fact that debt holds us back. Holds us back from not only experiencing freedom, but from being able to be radically generous. And that leads us actually today to our topic. And I would say that today's topic above even the other two, is the one that allows us to experience freedom the most. And freedom in its fullness. And that's giving. Specifically, financial generosity. And I'm sure you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, how, how can giving allow me to experience more financial freedom? And, and I want you to stick with me today because we're going to dive into this. Because the, the math of God does not always equate to the, the cultural math that we feel like we're supposed to believe. Because you're, you're in this pursuit of security, safety, savings. Of course you can understand I'm not supposed to spend money. I'm supposed to get out of debt. But why does giving lead to financial freedom? Well... Let's start here. You know that feeling that you get when you choose to be generous, right? So you buy someone a meal, um, maybe you take a date out for dinner and you pay for it, or, or you give your kids the present that they always wanted. Uh, maybe you, you get to bless someone financially that you know that's in need, or, or you buy coffee for the person that's behind you. It's like this I'm, I, I can experience it right now. It's like the endorphin rush. We're filled with this, like, this good feeling. And we want more of that. Maybe you even experience that when you invest in an organization or your local church and you have this thought that like, the generosity that you're contributing to is leading towards life change. You're doing more together than you could independently and it fills you up and it, and it satisfies your soul. Have you ever experienced that? Why do you think that is? I would go as far to say that I, I think that's the way that we were designed. We were designed by our creator, God, to be generous. Paul is actually recounting words uh, from Jesus in Acts 20, 35. And he says this. He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, it clearly doesn't state that receiving is bad, but it does clearly say that it's better to give than to receive. 
Now, what exactly does blessing mean? If I'm blessed, like what, what, is, what, what blessing are we talking about here? If I'm giving, what kind of blessing am I going to give in return? And I want you to hold on for a moment. We're going to dive into that a little bit later, but this idea that it's more blessed to give than to receive is kind of our overarching narrative for today's topic and this idea that, that giving is good. So, if we believe that giving is good, then why do so many of us struggle with a life of, of consistent generosity? A life that is, that's constantly filled with this idea that, that, that giving back to God and, and trusting Him generously. I, f- I find myself, and often I feel like we find ourselves holding back to struggle to trust God in this way. And as I spend time preparing, I, I, I came to this conclusion that I think there's a couple reasons that, that hold us back from being generous. And the first is, is that many of us, I've struggled with this myself included in different seasons, is that we live in this idea of a scarcity mindset. And a scarcity mindset, it whispers this lie in our ear on a regular basis. And here's the lie that, that it whispers. It says, I can't give because I don't have enough. I can't give because I don't have enough. And I'm sure right now in this moment you're thinking, of course, that's me. You're looking at your financial situation. You're looking at your budget. You said, it's just not in the cards for me to be generous right now. I can't give because they just raised my rent by $200 a month. I can't give because we just had a baby and we moved from two incomes to one income for the foreseeable future. I can't give because we've been saving for years so that we could finish the basement. I can't give because if I give, then I won't have $5,000 in my savings account. And what if something dramatic happens in our life? Or or I can't give because two years till my sophomore in high school goes off to college and I need to have more money saved up for them. I can't give because I'm three months behind on my electric bill. I can't give because I just got an eviction notice. I can't give because my car broke down and I can't get to work. Let me pause here real quick. Those last three examples I gave are are desperate and dire situations. And if you are in a situation right now where your financial situation is so desperate and it's so dire and it's so bleak that you are on the brink of losing your safety and security, losing your home, please let your church family come alongside of you. Please let us walk through this journey with you because there are many that choose to give and invest in the mission of Restore. And our hope is that we can love you and support you through this season. The easiest way for us to do that right now is you just to email the email that you see on the screen right now. Benevolence at RestoreCC.org What that's going to do is it's going to send an email to our benevolence team. 
just share a little bit about what your financial situation currently is. And, and our team will get back to you in a timely manner. We'll hear about your circumstance. We'll, we'll connect with you. And we together as the church body will come alongside of you because in no way do we believe that our brothers and sisters are supposed to live in a situation where it looks like it's desperate and dire and it's unsafe. We want to come alongside of you. But for most of us, that's not necessarily the case. We can look at our financial situation. It can look bleak, but we're not in, in danger of losing our safety and security and this, this you know, mindset that we don't have enough or I can't give because I don't have enough. It, it's so scarce. It's just a lie that we live in. So what's the anecdote? What's the antidote to a scarcity mindset? It's an abundance mindset. The fact that you actually do believe that you have enough. Check out this uh, writing from Paul uh, to a group of Christians. They're living in Macedonia. And these group of Christians are clearly living out uh, the abundance mindset. We find this passage in 2 Corinthians. And it says this, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to, and even beyond their ability, Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. You want to talk about an abundance mindset? These people were on the brink of what Paul says is extreme poverty. Extreme poverty. Like, and they chose to still believe we have enough and we're going to continue to give even beyond their ability. I'm trying to think and reflect back on the moments where my situation financially looked really dire and, and, and desperate. And I got trapped into thinking that I didn't have enough. But we do. The scarcity mindset wins and the lie that we, we don't have enough, uh, it speaks to a point where we believe it as truth but it's not. It's not true. That leads me to the, the second reason that often we don't choose to give. Maybe, it's, maybe you're not living in the scarcity mindset. You're like, I, I've been blessed. I feel like I'm, I'm doing good and my financial situation is okay, but, but you still don't choose to give. Why? It's because... We don't trust. Maybe more specifically, we don't trust the church. This may be a really, really painful reason as to why you choose not to give. And maybe you've experienced something inside of a church. You've got some church hurt and you are part of, of a church and, and, and something existed inside of that that deeply hurt you to your core. 
to the point where maybe you lost trust for the church entirely. You watched a pastor or you watched a group of people treat you or others poorly. Maybe you, you watched them mishandle finances and you said, no, 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 no way can I trust the church because of how they manage that. And there's something deep in your core that says, no way will I ever give to a church ever, ever again. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sad that that was your reality. And I'm sad that you had an experience with people that called on the name of Jesus and hurt you deeply. And it, it led to a place where you lost your trust in the church. The church is filled with broken and imperfect people and, and, and we're going to mess up badly. But my hope is that you didn't lose trust in, in the big C church completely and that hopefully your trust can be restored and you can get to a place where you feel excited to give to the mission of God again. If you're in this place right now where you don't trust the church, or maybe, maybe you don't trust Restore. Maybe you call Restore Your Church Home, whether that be online or in person at one of our three locations, and you, you're like, I don't know if I trust this church yet. You've been maybe coming for a long time, or you're new, and, and a, an experience previously has, has broken your trust. I would love for us to get to a place where you can trust again where you can put your trust in the church and you can see Restore continue to move and you can celebrate that we are on mission for helping people find their way back to God. If this is the case, here's my encouragement to you. I would encourage you, if you call, maybe you're online right now and you're like, hey, I've primarily engaged with Restore online. I would encourage you to email our digital pastor, Theo Davis. His email is going to pop up right there below. It's theo at restorecc.org. I know that he would love to connect with you and answer any questions you have. Be as transparent as he possibly can with who we are, what our mission is, and, and transparent about how we spend our money. Because my hope is that you not only can continue to trust the Big C Church, but you can trust Restore and be a part of a community that you are excited to not only serve but celebrate with and invest in financially to help us continue our mission of helping people find their way back to God. If you consistently connect with us in one of our in-person expressions at our three different campuses, I know that any of the pastors there at Park Hill, myself and many others, would love to connect with you, answer any questions you have about Restore, and get to the place where you can trust. That would be my hope. But if for some reason, if for some reason in your journey of helping find trust in the church again and, and you fall out of trust with Restore, please let us help us find, let us help you find the place that you can trust. Because more than anything, more than the ministry of Restore, I care that Christ followers are doing life alongside of other believers. I want them deeply to find a place of community and connection where they not only connect but can serve and can invest and can say, God, I love this church that I'm a part of. There are so many beautiful expressions of God's church and I would love to help you find that. 
Restore is not the only place doing amazing things for God's kingdom. There are many others. And my hope is that you find a place that you can lean in, that you can trust and invest in furthering the mission of Jesus. And we would love to help you find that place. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I'm not sure that that's the story of trust that you've struggled with. You might not trust the church. You might not trust Restore. But many of you do. You trust Restore. You love it. You call this your church home. But you, you, don't, you don't live in the scarcity mindset, but there's something else that's holding you back from giving. And if I'm honest, for many of us, it's because we don't trust God. I know that's a little bit harsh or maybe hard to hear. But it might be true. We don't trust God to provide. Uh, We don't trust that if we choose generosity that we'll be okay. We don't trust that we'll have safety and security and, and we don't trust that it's the right thing. And if we're honest, we're a little scared. We're scared that something could happen in our lives that because we chose to be generous, we can't do X, Y, and Z. And that severely holds us back. And I think if we pull it all the way back, it's because we don't trust God. Here's something crazy. God asks us to test him in this. In Malachi, uh, he writes this, and it's, this is a crazy passage of Scripture. He's talking to the Israelites in the Old Testament. I think it's totally applicable to the experience that we have today when it comes to giving and generosity. And he says this. He says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. He says this, The Lord of the heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Test him? Test God? Test him in this? I'm like thinking of my relationship with God right now. Like, okay, God, if I pray five times this week, I'm hoping that you do X. Or God, I'm hoping that if I have two conversations with my neighbor, then they'll ask me a spiritual question. Or God, if I just, if I just read scripture enough, then my kids will be safe at school. It's like this, we're playing this testing game with God. I'm, it's never been my relationship with him, but he gives us permission to test him in this, that he won't pour out so many blessings that we won't even have room for it. Here's what I'd love uh, to do right now. I would love for you to hear of the journey of generosity that the Clark family and the Beat family have been on. Let's take a look. Hi, I'm Jacob Clark and I go to Waldo at Restore. 
And I'm Nikki Clark, and I also go to Waldo with Jacob. My name is Larry Beats. Uh, we live in Shawnee, and we attend the Shawnee campus. I'm Becky Beats, and I'm married to Larry. I started noticing people being generous to God when I was probably in junior high, um, probably about there. I learned it kind of at a younger age. I wasn't faithful in the beginning with tithing, but once I became somewhere where I had a home church, I started tithing regularly. And it really wasn't until I was an adult, and I think until I became a member of uh, Waldo at Restore, like being able to really see like what that generosity does and what it means. So it was, it was kind of at that point in my adulthood that I, it really clicked and I was like, oh, it's not just a thing you do, it's uh, something that has a true impact. I started tithing, um, it, it really was crazy because when I started tithing, that's when I started recognizing God working in my life as far as through my finances goes. I think my biggest challenge in being generous is that I needed to be intentional about it. Um, even though I'm the one to save and I like to put money aside, make sure that I've, I have something for a rainy day, I also was careless about the money that I wasn't saving. A big challenge in giving that I experienced um, was, I think if you boil it down, it would be the faith aspect of the giving. Um, I can't remember what sermon it was, but um, I heard a sermon that basically said, um, people are very comfortable, you know, giving the extra to God at the end of the month, but a real step of faith is saying, okay, I'm giving 10% and I'm giving it the first day of the month. And I'm, you know, I'm not letting God come last, I'm putting him first. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big challenge for me because I was, you know, always down to give some money, but it was like, oh yeah, after I pay these bills and after I do this and then after I have some fun, oh, how much do I left over? Cool, I'll give a little bit of that. Um, so the challenge for me was really, being upfront, I'm gonna give this much, and that means that for the rest of the month, I need to have everything else in order. I love the fact that it's one of the promises of God, and it's one of the only places in the Bible where the, God says, test me on this. And I am not kidding you. Um, when I got serious about paying tithes to the church, that's when God really started to move in my finances. Um, something I've experienced is through giving, um, what you get isn't just monetary. It's not just, you know, oh, you gave $10. Well, you're gonna get back $100. Um, it feels a lot more like whenever you give, you get um, blessings that are unexplainable. You get um, really great um, feelings. Like you just feel warm and fuzzy. Like after I'm generous uh, to somebody or um, to an organization, and I get to see the effect of those dollars, like I feel great inside. And it's, it's a feeling that um, not many other things can give you. Um, and I think nothing that you can buy can give you what being generous gives you. I don't think you're ever gonna be mad or sad about how generous you become. I could share story after story after story of the Clarks and the Beats, like, their stories are not unique. That when they finally chose to trust God, like to be open-handed in generosity, that blessings just flew out upon them. And Jacob did a great job in there. He did a great job of unpacking, I think, what, what blessing means. 
And it's not necessarily this financial exchange with God, right? I give $5 and I get $20 back. But it's more than that. It's this blessing that we have hope. It's this blessing that we have trust. It's this blessing that we have security, that we know that God is going to provide despite the financial situation we find ourselves in. But more importantly, I think it's this blessing of freedom. Freedom that comes when we can choose to be open-handed and we can say, God, all of this is yours. And I want to trust you with it. God doesn't need your money. He's going to continue to move in miraculous ways with or without your financial generosity. But the thing that he does want is he, he wants your heart. He wants you to trust him. Jesus, time and time again, talked about money. In his parables, in his teaching, he used metaphors often. Talked about it more than the kingdom of God, more than sin, more than salvation. He talked about money because he knew that in that day and age, 2,000 years ago, and the cultural moment that we find ourselves in today, that our love of money would burden our hearts. We, I, would believe that I am the one that has earned all my money. That I would forget that everything that I have been given is a blessing from God. In Malachi, it talks about the tithe, which literally translated as the tenth. He asks for ten back. He, asks, he often asks for even more. But he knew that my heart would struggle. He knew that our hearts would struggle. And invites us to test him so that our hearts can be filled and we can experience freedom that can surpass all understanding. So what is your next step? For many of you, it might be giving for the first time. Looking at your financial situation and going, God, I... I can't do this. And you saying, I'm going to test you in this. I'm going to try it anyway. And you're going to be open-handed for the first time ever. Maybe it's those that have been tithing for years, four, five, six, seven, ten years. You've been like, this has been part of my rhythm. It's been budgeted in. And you haven't taken a step in some time. And God might be challenging you to this sacrificial, radical generosity that puts you back into a place that requires you to have an unbelievable amount of trust in God. He's constantly knocking on the door and he's challenging our heart and he's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me to pull out blessing that you can't even understand? My hope is that as you continue to invest in the mission of God, you will see how God continues to move in your life. That we will have a conversation at some point about the blessings he poured out and, and you will get to celebrate how God is moving as you experience financial freedom.